Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And happy Wednesday. This is the Wednesday crew here on WRSU-FM. New Brunswick, Jake Schmidt, Alex Carminati, and Dylan McCoy here with you. A lot of stuff to talk about in sports as well. A lot of NFL news, NBA playoffs heating up, NHL playoffs heating up as well. But guys, how are we doing today on Wednesday? Partner, doing great. Great to be with you on the Wednesday crew one more time. Another show, another day, another dollar, another great time with, with you two gentlemen uh, this evening. I like it. I like it. Yeah, um, definitely excited to be here. No place I'd rather be than the WRSU crew on a Wednesday. Yeah, where else would you want to be exactly? Uh, at the top of the hour at 7, our own Alex Carminati will sit down with Ryan Lasco of Rutgers Baseball as Rutgers Baseball gets set to uh, finish their season-ending series against Illinois this weekend, although... We'll see how much that even gets played. It's supposed to be a, a, a rain out this whole weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll see if that even happens. But looking forward to hearing that as well. That'll definitely be uh, worth listening to at 7 o'clock here, only here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. But before we get there and before we get to a lot of the news, a lot of the big NFL news of today, of course, among other things, the salary cap, uh, cap ceiling was set at $208.2 million for the 2022, but also – the rumors about Julio Jones and how he doesn't want to well, he wants he wants out of uh of where he wants to leave. I, I, um, Jake, I gotta say, I, I think the I, I don't think you could say those are rumors anymore. They have been confirmed by Julio Jones himself. He was on what was he on Skip and Shannon's show, right? <laughs> so he I'm was sure on he, he was on Undisputed and, and Shannon calls him and let me just say, if you are a journalist, do not do what Shannon Sharp did because he did not tell Julio Jones they were on the air. And Julio mm. immediately starts out by saying, yeah, I'm just not going to play in Atlanta, which not new news. He, he did ask for a trade months ago. But the other thing that he said, which was made it maybe my favorite episode of Undisputed I've ever seen, was he said they asked him about going to Dallas. And he said, I want to win. I'm not going to go to Dallas. And that <laughs> that was amazing. That made me laugh. So they didn't I, tell I him at first that. That, he was, that he was, was live. not happy, I guess. They didn't <laughs> tell him he was live at first, Dylan. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, he literally said when he was, like, hanging up, he said, all right, I'm going to let you go. We're on the air, which which implied to me that Julio Jones did not know that they were on the air. Oh, man. Um, wow. Yeah, that, that that's illegal, uh, but it provided for a fantastic piece of TV. And I, I, think, it re I think it reunites the uh, Julio where he's going to go because he is, you know, 32 years old, but he's still one of the best receivers in the league. The last full season he had, he had over 1,300 yards. Um, it'll be interesting to see he changes an offense. I, I I believe that he is probably at the end of his career, the last right. few years, but he still is an impact maker. And whoever gets him, you know, they, they really bolstered their chances at uh, being good this season. Well, I mean, with, 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 with this all, all happening, right, Julio Jones has to leave Atlanta now, I think. And look, I mean, Shannon Sharp, whether you say it was right, it was wrong, that was wrong, I think, number one. And Dylan, you pointed out exactly on, I mean, not 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 just like a, a journalism code, I guess you could say, or, or what it takes to truly be a true journalist, but whether, you know, you're in that business or not, you should know not to put someone on the air, one, maybe against their will, but number two, they, they have to know they're, they're talking to a live audience nationwide. Undisputed is one of the most popular, if not the most popular, uh, morning sports talk shows on uh, on uh, television, even even on radio at times too. I mean, I mean, look, I I think this was expected that Julio Jones was going to leave. We don't know when that's going to happen. Of course, it was expected that he wanted out. He wanted to move on. This was not the right way to do it, I think. You don't blindside a guy by putting him on the air, one, without his knowledge, and two, he pretty much slams um, Atlanta, the, the, the franchise. He, he thought he was doing it, you know, behind their back, 
now that this is out publicly, this this is a bad look for him. It's also a bad look for the Falcons, and the relationship and trust just just, just got even worse. Shannon Sharp, of course, took uh took that at the expense of Julio Jones and the a Atlanta Fal uh, um Falcons. I think Shannon Sharp should have known better, I think, in this case. Look, he wanted a great segment, a cool segment. I see that part of it properly. And Skip Bayless just went bonkers when um, uh, when um, uh, Dallas... Uh, he doesn't want to go, go, go to Dallas. Seeing Skip Bayless go bonkers is pretty funny to me. But the point is, is that when it comes to... When it comes to promoting such content and such a segment, whoever it is... This doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Julio Jones or the president of the United States. That person needs to know that they are being recorded or being broadcasted live on the air. So, so one, one, they are briefed or prepared what to say, number one. But number two, something like this doesn't happen where a possible rift could grow from this scenario and make things even worse for Julio Jones and the Atlanta Falcons. Maybe it will, maybe it won't, maybe this thing will be brushed off. We'll see how it plays out. Now that, I mean, and, and, and again, we had a feeling Julio wanted to move on. For the audience to know it in this way is not good business, and also it's not a good look for media, uh, uh, for 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 sports media, nor is it a good look for Julio Jones, the NFL, Shannon Sharp, and the Atlanta Falcons. It's just simple ethics to me, really, that you got to tell somebody that you're going on. It's just simple interview etiquette, not even etiquette. That's just the standard that is set that's essential. Jake, it's is, not even etiquette. It, it's common sense. Yeah, it is. But it, there's also, you know, there are rules around this stuff. The FCC, you know, there's always rules around this stuff with the uh, organizations and the, uh, the stakeholders that are involved. Um, but it is interesting to me too that you know you look at his contract and he you know there was that whole back and forth I remember like in 2019 before that whole extension there's all the back and forth was he going to sign it was he not for the Pro Bowler receiver and the Falcons right. and he eventually you know did it was this three year 66 million dollar extension and he now he's got I think 38.3 left on the you know in the three years left on his contract and there's obviously you know the base salary of three million in each of the final two years which would be next the next two years after this year um so it's going to be interesting um obviously they're saying a trade won't take place before june 2nd of course because that's around the the um under the rules because the bonus proration uh doesn't come into the following year when they're traded so he you know that's a lot of money too that he's eating away at just because of that cop and you know he's still you know he's a he's a he's an elite receiver. He was an elite receiver. He's 32 years old. He played in a in a Super Bowl. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. I'm sure he wants to win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, he of course was injured his third year in the league, and he's had you know even last year he was injured too. So he's got some injury problems too. But uh you know he's definitely in that conversation among top wideouts um, as well. But I wonder if this really you know kind of burdens him about where he would go. Um, in terms of like free agency, in terms of who would want him now, um, now this really they're saying according to front office sports that the Falcons were blindsided and it hurt them in their plans to move him because of the uh, on-air call being made by Shannon Sharp to Julio. So it, it, it's definitely they had no idea that um, the Falcons had no idea about that. They were saying and um, it it still we don't know if he was aware at all, but uh, if he was on there, nobody spoke out about that, but. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, I think more teams may reach out, but it, um, you know, you never know what can happen in the NFL now. And of course, you know, the, the free agency, all that, and the uh, OTAs are starting up in uh, June. So it's going to be interesting to see how this develops too. And of course with Aaron Rodgers too, I mean, we don't even, I saw Stephen A. Smith was ripping him, uh, was talking about him the other day. Um, he was, he's been in Hawaii, Aaron Rodgers. He's been on his vacation with the, uh, drama, him. um, he hasn't really uh, – he clearly isn't in Wisconsin. He's just hanging out in Hawaii. He's not really – he hasn't really said anything about his uh, his future as well. And um, they're saying later this summer ESPN is going to play competitive golf with uh, Bryson DeChambeau against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. Uh, he's going to do some charity golf thing too. too. That's fantastic. Yes. Guys, I've been saying this for – I've been saying this for several weeks now. Aaron Rodgers will not be playing for the Green Bay Packers in 2021, whether he A, gets traded, or B, will hold out. He will probably not get traded this year, 
And plus, Aaron Rodgers has nothing to lose. He's he's guaranteed the money for his contract this yep. year. He yep. can walk a- after next season. Right. This is just the beginning of the end officially. And when it comes to Aaron Rodgers holding out or not playing next year, this is just a preview of what to expect and that a- Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with so much. He's had so much, you know, all, 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 all these factors, all these scenarios, all, all these issues for 10 years he's had finally enough Grimby gave him a whole bunch of money to stay he took that down that that's another reason to put put in, in into the fire why Aaron wants out but when when he's traveling to Hawaii one he's probably not gonna show up for OTAs and two it just and he really wants I think Green Bay to to stick to their message when it comes to rebuilding for 5, 10, 15 years now, whatever it is, if you drafted Jordan Love, if Jordan Love is the true replacement for Aaron Rodgers, Aaron's pretty much putting out there, okay, you're you're done with me. I don't want to be here anymore. You've wasted my time. You drafted my replacement last season. Let's put that replacement to the test. Let's see what that replacement can do this year. And you know what? Because of it, a, I'm guaranteed the contract. Two, I, I, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I can post Jeopardy or play golf or do whatever the heck I want in 2021 with no harm whatsoever. He's still getting paid by Green Bay regardless. And number three, he wants to put to the test what Jordan Love is truly all about, but mainly uh, to show you know wh- whether uh, Jordan Love truly is the replacement and to show t- to the front office, you know what? Maybe you should have helped me. Maybe you should have listened to me. And if you listened to me, you wouldn't be in the situation you are in right now. And it wouldn't cause the problems that 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 could be coming going forward for this 2021 season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Um, Dylan, did you see that Alex Smith called uh, the Packers' treatment of Rodgers inexcusable? It is. What do you guys he think about that? Pa- he called the Packers' treatment of Aaron Rodgers inexcusable? Yeah, and this mean, whole situation. I would have to, like, it's hard because there were a lot of things they could have done for him. But at the same time, I mean, he had an all-pro wide receiver. He had an all-pro left tackle. He had a coach who was 26-6 and six in his first two years. You know, what's the saying? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. The Packers have always been an organization that has been run very well. Um, and obviously they've made mistakes in the past 10 years, not drafting a wide receiver being a huge one. But, you know, it kind of is an interesting situation because at the same time, you know, as um, as Green Bay could have done uh, more, at the same time, you know, they did a lot for Aaron Rodgers over the past 10 years. Um and ultimately, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But I'm a little more interested, honestly, to see where Julio Jones ends up because I think a lot of teams that are on the cusp of contending uh, could add him and and become, you know, like legitimate contenders. Like the ten- if, if the Tennessee Titans add Julio Jones to an offense with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown, my golly, I, 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 don't, I don't know who's going to be able to stop that, quite honestly. I mean, look... When it comes to Aaron Rodgers, y'all know my stance. It's obvious. I think, uh, look, inexcusable for the past 10 years when it comes to Alex Smith's uh, um, uh, a statement on that. I, I can agree with that to some extent. Dylan, you, you make fair points with with, uh, with uh, Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, um, Randall Cobbs, uh, R- Robert Tunyon, uh, David Bakhtiari, Clay Matthews, some of these top pieces, Z- Zadarius Smith, I get that. But the coaching staff hasn't heard him out too much to truly put them over the hump, to truly help Aaron get to a second, third, fourth championship, whatever it may be. So that's my take on that. When it comes to Julio Jones, Tennessee would be a really interesting fit. But but altogether, when it comes, Jake, you mentioned about how does it hurt Julio Jones' credibility or does it hurt Julio Jones' chances of not getting tr- uh, of, of, of whether or not he gets traded. I don't think so. Because Julio Jones was was unaware, the Falcons got blindsided. I think, I think this causes more of a rift between the Falcons and Julio Jones, all uh, created by 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 Shannon Sharp. So really, if this hurts anyone's credibility, it's Shannon Sharp for doing such a thing. Number one, but when it comes back to Julio Jones being traded, I mean Tennessee would be a great fit. 
San Francisco would 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 be a good fit for him. I mean, there 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 are so many other options, so many places where where he can go. It's really interesting. Again, the AFC, the NFC, of course, somewhere somewhere else around. Um, Tennessee's a great fit. I think San Francisco could be a, another one as well. You're building ar- around Trey, uh, Trey Lance now. Give him a star weapon in Julio Jones with a young receiver in Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. Again, let's see if they can make up that, that, uh, that, uh, cap space for a first. Same thing with Tennessee, of course. But when it comes to possible fits, two, I mean, again, D- Dylan mentioned Tennessee. I think San Fran could be a good fit as well and really could be, you know, put, Put San Fran uh, again back into contention already with such a tough, hard-notched division wh- where San Francisco has to go up against three good quarterbacks and Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray twice a year. So Tennessee could be one in the AFC. In the if he stays in the NFC, I can see him wearing four, 49ers colors. Yeah, AJ Brown just made a TikTok trying to get uh, Julio over there. So the recruitment begins will be excuse me will be very interesting to see um julio i would still say probably a top five ten wide receiver in the league that's fair um you know and a team who gets him that this really is a win now move uh for whoever ends up getting him but very excited this offseason should bring all the drama we thought we were going to have with uh deshaun watson before draft day hopefully we'll actually be able to get to see that kind of drama and movement uh, later on in the offseason. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what really happens. I mean, it's going to be pretty crazy as well. They just set the salary cap limit, the cap limit ceiling at 208.2 uh, million. They've agreed for 2022. Um, it's really reflected, they're saying, as a continued, a continued effort to project the impact of the pandemic on its short term business. Um, it's just that the highest it can possibly be for the salary cap is $208.2 million. It's still possible they're saying that the league's uh, projections could result in a lower cap, but it's all based on all those projections as well. So um, they're also, you know, NFL's relaxing COVID-19 protocols for vaccinated coaches, players, staff. Um, the Giants and Jets just announced, you know, per you know Murphy's orders that, you know, there's they can have full capacity in the fall. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens as well. And also, I saw on Adam Vinatieri, you know, all-time leading scorer, he's retiring the kicker um, who was with the Colts. Um, four, he's 48, three-time Pro Bowl selection. He um, all-pro all three times with the Patriots and the Colts. Um, he's made 29 game-winning kicks. Of course, he had that game-winner in the blizzard against Oakland in 2001. Uh, most... Super Bowl rings by any kicker. He's got four, three with the Pats, one with the Colts. Uh, so it's, you know, I loved watching him play and just the way that he went out. Like, he was he was really good and, like, as a kicker and fun to watch. He was a generational talent when it comes to kicking. And really, if you think about kickers that defined maybe the early 2000s, maybe oh, yeah. even the beginning of the, uh, of the 21st century of NFL football, it's Adam Vinatieri. And look, you and and you still have great kickers today. You 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 have the Justin Tuckers of the world and so many other kickers like that. But the Justin Tuckers come seconds. Adam Vinatieri is the one that that uh sort of sort of kickstarts the generation of the 2000s, 21st century type of kicker. And look, you you look over history before Vinatieri. George Blanda, who was a kicker, he was a quarterback, he was a multi-position player. He was one of the great kickers as well, and and and, and he played till he was 46, I believe. Adam Vinatieri's 48 years old. That's I mean, for any player that that, that that's incredible. For a kicker, nonetheless, um, Vinatieri towards the end, end of his career sort so, sort of backtrack. He got a bit older, of course. What do you expect? But when you look at Adam Vinatieri together, he's known for his money type of kicks. His kick got the Patriots, of course, to the Super Bowl and got got their first World Championship as well against the Rams. And of course, that AFC Championship game, uh, the the uh, the the famous Tuck Rule game against Oakland. Um, altogether, I mean, he was just such a legend when it comes to kicking the Patriots, the Colts, the NFL. Altogether, he is the he he is the embodiment and definition of what it takes to be a kicker in the NFL today, and has defined kicking thus far in the 21st century for professional football. Yeah, he's yeah, he's pretty uh, incredible. 
God bless him. No, absolutely. You know, his last season was what it was, but Adam Vinatieri will become the first uh, primary kicker to make the Hall of Fame. Is that wow. right? It's not a hot... I believe so. I believe there's been there's been guys like George Blanda right. and others, but they've played other positions. Sure. Um, I believe I believe he's the he like he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like Absolutely. I think that's no question. question. He has a Hall of Fame resume. You know, people say that like the postseason, you know, uh, doesn't doesn't define like a full player's career. But with a kicker, it's definitely more magnified because you really especially Adam and Terry. <laughs> Uh, absolutely you know he's had some of the most clutch kicks uh in the history of the nfl so i i definitely am excited to see him in the hall of fame um i think i i kind of wish it was before last year so we didn't have to see last year and it kind of like it's not going to tarnish his legacy at all but it just wasn't nice to see it would have been nice to see him go out before last year but uh all well wishes to him you know happy retirement and yeah the NFL loses a great player. Um, mm. Unfortunate, but that is the breaks of sports. Yeah, definitely. It's you know it's sad at all, and I'm seeing some more NFL news of right now. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the Dolphins quarterback, said that uh, he um, he was having uh, some difficulties in year one uh, calling plays as a rookie. He said it was very uncomfortable uh, to carry some plays. Um, they're saying he sounds like a different quarterback when they're when they had OTAs uh, today as well. Um, his surgically repaired hip feels good. Uh, he's got some good receivers, of course. Jalen Waddle, the first round pick, will follow the free agent signing, so he has a much needed boost uh, in the offense um, as well. And he said he was not comfortable calling plays at all last year. Um, of course, he started at the tail end of the season. He went six and three after taking over for uh, from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, who's still in the league as well. But it's going to be interesting to see how Tua progresses as a quarterback, especially because he wasn't really often really aggressive throwing the field da- uh, down the field. Um, he got replaced twice in the fourth quarter of close games in favor of Fitzpatrick. But it's good to see that he's getting better and he's he's knowing more of the cadence. And he's he's uh, they're saying he has a faster pre- and post-snap read. So it's definitely good he's stepping up in his second year. Tua Tagovailoa should have never played last year, and here's why. Um, you look at that hip injury, right? And to be honest with you, you saw it all year long. Tua didn't even look 100%, even when he said he felt 100% comfortable after that surgery, after the injury, all that going forward. So t- if if Tua didn't play at all last year, if if Miami kept Fitzpatrick in uh in throughout the entire year, t- to be honest with you, they could have won 10 games and maybe made that wild card spot. Tua. They won eleven and five last year. They did win ten games. They won eleven games actually, and they just got knocked out because two teams were better. I uh, mean, at eleven and five. Fair enough, but I mean, I think I, I so yeah. Excuse me, but the point is, is that I think if you kept Fitzpatrick in there, they would have made a run for those playoffs. And Tua gets a year on the bench learning the system, learning how to go, and learning how to execute. No wonder why you hear these comments a season later where Tua's confused. He's not exactly sure how, how, how to make these play calls. You can't just rush someone in there like that, especially after coming off such a, uh, such, such a injury. I mean, even, even Patrick Mahomes didn't play for, what, one, two, three years, you know, you know, after he was drafted, and you see what happened now. I think if 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 Miami uh, sat him last year, and and again, Miami had nothing to lose last year by playing Fitzpatrick, getting themselves back into in into the competitive waters, getting in lightly, getting in slowly a bit. They rushed it a bit too much. Nonetheless, it. It's 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 good to see now that Tua is starting to learn things more and, and and get more comfortable, especially now since Ryan Fitzpatrick has moved on and now he plays for the Washington Football Team. But the, but the point is is that I think I think if you sat Tua last year, you rested him, you 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 let him see Fitzpatrick, you you let him learn the system more. I think entering this year, Miami would have been in in a more comfortable spot than they are right now. And look, they're in a pretty comfortable spot. Don't get me wrong right now. They just missed the playoffs, all that going forward. But Tua was not that comfortable last year. It's good to see him comfortable now in OTAs. I'm just saying that if you 
if you did not play him at all, especially when he did not look like he he was 100% last year whatsoever. Now now that he is at you know two years later after that gruesome injury, that's great, and then you you can fully ha have the confidence to feel that he is 100%. We'll see how it plays out, but that's my stance on that. I don't know. The last time I heard about a rookie that had playbook problems late into the season, it was DeAndre Baker, and he's not on the New York Giants anymore. I mean, I, I respect that if you were going to sit him for the full year, but he should know the playbook. I mean, one, he's a quarterback. He's had to learn playbooks in every team he's played for. He had to learn a playbook in Alabama. He learned a playbook in high school. Two, not hearing this from the rest of the rookie quarterbacks. Herbert didn't say anything about the playbook. Joe Burrow never said anything about the playbook. And those were week one start. Well, uh, Burrow was a week one starter. Herbert was like week three, I want to say, after Tyra Taylor's punctured lung. But, you know, those are both guys who had less time to prepare during the season. Uh, they learned the playbook and they performed better. You know, Justin Herbert had the best rookie season ever uh, sure. by a rookie quarterback. Ultimately, you know, I'm not someone who thinks uh, extremely highly of Mr. Tagovailoa, I ha I didn't at Alabama. I don't now uh, as a quarterback, but and this is kind of reaffirming because you know I really I really think if he's saying these things, then you know he has an issue, and like that's a shame because he has an extremely good team around him that got even better in the NFL draft. So we'll have to see how he responds, but those are not uh not good things to hear from your quarterback that it took him a full year to pretty much learn the playbook. Yeah, not not good at all. It's a little bit, uh, you know, cause for concern. I, I see that a lot. Um, you know, I, I I get that with Baker too. I completely uh, understand that as well. They're also saying that uh, Lamar Jackson said he'd love to be a Raven uh, forever. He hopes to make something happen soon on his contract extension. Uh, he isn't sure when he'll sign it, um, as well. Um, he's scheduled to earn $1.77 million in his base salary this season, which is 23rd among all quarterbacks. Um, his salary spikes at $23.1 million in 2020 when he, when he enters his fifth-year option, a final year um, under contract as well. Um, what do you guys think about this? Do you think that he's going to be um, – because Josh Allen and Maker, Baker as Mayfield as well as Jackson, um, the, this is the first year in which those quarterbacks can negotiate an extension from that 2018 draft class as well. Yeah, he needs to throw the ball if he's going to get a contract extension, uh, you know. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm making shockwaves when I say he's not a good passer. Um, and ultimately, That's fair. to be a good quarterback in this league, you have to be a good passer. So if he wants a big contract extension, like he thinks he's going to deserve, he needs to improve on throwing the ball. It has to. No, happen. that right. That that that's definitely fair. I agree with that. You you also have to get him more weapons. You have to get him receivers. Uh, look, I. I see where Baltimore comes from. They're, they're, they're an old-school defensive team first, rushing team attack, uh, r rushing team offensive first type of team. But the game has changed to the forward pass completely. And, and the forward pass has been dominating the game of football for a long time, especially for the past several seasons. So you need to adapt to that. And if you're going to find success, if you're going to be successful and you want Lamar Jackson to be your franchise quarterback, he has to adapt into that type of se setting, especially where, where, where you have Cleveland uh, uh, on the rise in, in, in your own division. You have Pittsburgh with their uh, offensive weapons, uh, um, uh, Juju, Chase Claypool, all those weapons over there. Now Najee Harris in the backfield, who can possibly be a pass catcher as well. And you look at Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. He, he just got Jamar Chase, his, his uh, top target back in college at LSU. The, the, those guys linked up a lot to win a national championship for those Tigers. But altogether, I think, yeah, Dylan, exactly. He has to develop more as a... Uh, as a passing quarterback, and look, it's great he can run. He's Michael Vick 2.0. He might be might be even better than 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 Michael Vick in some stances. But when it comes all together to uh to adapting him, you need to give him receivers. And really, you see this happening a lot. Whether again, 
Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, whatever, they need receivers to put them over the hump, the next hump, to get them to that next step. Lamar Jackson's not not complaining in a way Aaron Rodgers is or asking for help. Same with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers asking for help. But uh, Lamar Jackson, to get that money, he needs to be established as that pass thrower. Josh Allen's a bit of both. You, you, you see him with the legs, but you see him big time with the arms. And thus why his, his main target is Stephon Diggs. Buffalo got him a top target. They, they got him a possibly top five, top ten receiver in the NFL. In, in, in Stephon Diggs, Baltimore needs to do the same exact thing with uh, Lamar Jackson and and. And, and Jake, your, your point went with uh, Lamar, with Baker, with Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen will get paid. He'll, he'll be there for a long time. I can see Lamar and Baker going the same routes. Lamar has to get a receiver. Josh Allen still has to be Josh Allen and build off this incredible uh, perennial MVP season. And Baker Mayfield need, need, needs to be consistent. Baker Mayfield had a great year last year. Next year, he cannot be down in the dumps. One year, he's good. The other year, he's not that consistent. He's not that reliable either. So Baker Mayfield needs to be consistent in that case. Josh Allen still be Josh Allen. And Lamar Jackson, get him wide receivers and adapt him into the true NFL game. That 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 is pass catching, pass throwing, and, and the forward pass altogether in football today. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree with you on that, Alex. It's, it's definitely important. And welcome back to the Wednesday crew. Jake Schmidt, Alex Carminati, Dill McCoy here, and time for Locks of the Week. Big, uh, one of our favorite segments here. A lot of stuff going on. The NBA playoffs, the NHL postseason as well, baseball as well, although some games are, although the Mets game is postponed today because of the ongoing thunderstorms. Uh, but what do you guys have? for us for locks of the week today where do i begin jake here you go you might like this you might not like this we'll see how it plays out all right i'm all ears our guest ryan lasco right he's joining us at seven o'clock you'll hear me talking to him at seven o'clock my lock of the week this is gonna be something you again you might like you might not like i'm willing to go above and beyond ryan has been having an incredible year this year us a freshman standout for Rutgers baseball, yeah. 11 home runs, 30 RBIs, 34 total hits, and has won Big Ten Freshman of the Week three separate times over a span of one month. My prediction, my lock of the week is that at least once, either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday this weekend when the Scarlet Knights play host to Illinois, of course, coverage will be on WRSU FM New Brunswick, my lock of the week is that Ryan Lasko will hit a cycle a cycle. A cycle. In one okay. of the three games this week. Against Illinois. That is my against the Fighting Illini, a cycle will take place All right. for Ryan Lasco in one of the three games. That's my lock of the week. Very bold. I like it. Go big or go home, right? That's how you end the Rutgers baseball season with the cycle that, and your first year that, on the banks. That that that's how Ryan Alasco is playing this year too. Go big or go home. He's definitely playing big. You'll hear all 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 about his successful year at the top of the hour. But I'm willing to go above and beyond uh, 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 on sure. this lock of the week. I mean, he's a great guy, a great player, and you know what? Call me crazy, call me psychic, call call me whatever you want. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Ryan Lasko, man, he he he's an awesome guy, an awesome player. I can't wait to, to to cover him more for the rest of this year and, of course, beyond. But that is my lock of the week. Watch out for a cycle. Get ready. Alex putting all the chips in at the poker table. Okay, I, he's going all in. All right. I'm going to stick to to hockey. Is three games going on right now. Just the Penguins Islanders just uh, – got underway right now but i'm gonna go to vegas and minnesota vegas is up three to two in that series they have played minnesota very well although minnesota won four to two on monday night um but vegas you know this is their series to win they've really had a good grasp on this series they're although they're in minnesota so the line is vegas minus 140 i'm gonna take that i'm gonna say the total score is probably gonna be i'm gonna say under five and a half i don't think it's gonna be like a four one kind of game or like a three two but I think it could be, like, low scoring and high offense, so I'm going to take the under on that one. Dylan, what do you got for us? So, I've been watching a lot of the NBA playoffs recently because, of course, I'm a big basketball fan. 
Um, I like the Sixers minus eight and a half tonight against the Wizards. Typically, low-seeded teams play better than in the first game they do in the rest of the series. True. We saw that with the Celtics. Oh, boy. They got blown out by the Nets. Um, yeah, I think the same thing happens to the Wizards tonight. I think the Sixers are a much better team. Uh, and I think they win by at least nine. So, minus eight and a half for the Sixers tonight. I like it. I like it. We can stick in the NBA. Of course, there's three games today. Wizard Sixers getting out of the way in about 20 minutes. Then Hawks and Knicks, the Knicks trying to avenge that Trey Young uh, shot that he made to clinch the game in the final seconds at the Garden. I'm sure the Garden crowd is going to be crazy. A newly uh, named NBA Most Improved player, Julius Randle. He's averaging that double-double. He's been playing well. The line is New York by two, which is interesting uh, as well to look at. And that that's already, you know, you know that's going to be a good series. And it's a definitely, Knicks definitely have to win this one or they fall 2-0. and Absolutely. And Atlanta is so lethal. Trey Young is saw it in game one. And game one was down to the wire. It was. gritty, all of that. And Trey Young, man, I mean, he is just something else. Julius Randle, this Knicks squad, the time is now. The past is in the past. I say that a lot because you cannot change the past. Right. Something I personally believe in. But at the same time, you have to move on from that and focus on now. Rely on that crowd. The garden's going to be rocking, pumping, jumping up all over the place. You saw it in game one. You're going to see it again in game two tonight. And when it comes to locking down Trey Young, that's got to be the main focus. Also, again, put game one in the past. Focus on the Knicks this entire year, how incredible they've been. They they, they, they have the four seed. They have the home court for the reason in round number one. Build off upon that. Focus on now and utilize Julius Randle's incredible dynamic season. Yeah, I think, um, you know, as a fan, this was one of the series that I expected to be pretty exciting. So far, definitely lived up to the billing. Um, it was nice seeing all the Knicks fans tweet about how relevant they were and then watching Trey Young score a buzzer beater on them. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was kind of a cathartic experience for me. Um, I do still like the Knicks in this series. I think they match up well. I think they're a good defensive team. It's a Tom Thibodeau coach team. You know, you're going to play good defense. They got a lot of young guys. Um, and, you know, they're building for something. They're not there yet. I don't think they get past uh, – Milwaukee, if they match up in the second round, me also assuming Milwaukee's going to win their series because they're going to. Um, I I think I think the Knicks are you know even if they do win this series, it's going to take a lot out of them. It's going to be six or seven games, and I think they're ultimately a second round exit. And I'm being becoming more and more convinced that the Nets are just they have to be the favorite. They just have to. They look. There's no way that anyone is going to beat them in a seven-game series. I don't. You'll see it you'll at have all. to see what what uh, the Sixers do tonight first. I think. We'll see. I don't know though. It's difficult when you have to apply that much defensive pressure to That's someone true. like James Harden, and he's also one of the best passers in the league, so he can immediately dish the ball off. So, uh, you know, good times for me rooting for my basketball team which is very very uh uncommon so excited for that are you a nets or knicks fan dylan i always forget oh i'm a nets guy no no no, no okay no. good good so that i'm, I'm a new jersey i'm a new jersey nets oh fan. yeah vince carter yeah <laughs> i saw vince that carter, there was like Ricky i don't know if you Jefferson. tweeted that or i saw that of like you know they tweeted yeah, the new jersey nets was... logo they're like who's the first third name you think of uh with that logo i think it was around game two of the playoffs and i saw like, a lot of vince carters and and uh, and Petrovic, yeah. Oh, Drazen Petrovic is a good one. It wasn't that logo, but if it was that logo, I probably would have said Drazen Petrovic, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sasha Vujacic. Ooh. a young Brook Lopez, Devin Harris. I mean, we can go on and on with players that are quite forgetful. That are quite forgettable, honestly. But, well, yeah, you look uh, at the other. The off, at least. Yeah, I know it's crazy. You look at the other series as well, and you look at, you know, the um, the Suns Lakers and how that series is tied one one, and the Nuggets Blazers tied one one. You know, those are we've seen Nuggets Blazers before, but Lakers Suns yesterday they won by seven. The Lakers they mm-hmm. they uh, they played a good game. Um, Aiton had a double double, but Anthony Davis thirty four points, ten rebounds, LeBron with 23 points um, as well. He only had four rebounds 
Uh, but he he had a good shooting night, about nine of sixteen, above fifty percent from the floor, and he had nine assists, two steals. So he he looked good. But you know, Dennis Schroeder had a uh, impressed me a lot. Twenty four points for him, fifty percent shooting, made all his free throws, and him and AD. You know, when you have a lot of those guys and Andre Drummond scoring 50, 15 points, the you know they the Suns had a really good chance to win that game, and the Lakers just pushed it to the metal. I'm willing to admit right now that I was wrong uh, uh, about the Lakers thus far. Dylan, I will admit that. You've been big on LeBron and AD, especially in in the play-in. I thought Golden State was going to ha- have a fiasco. It was a great run. Le- LeBron made a great shot to win the game. It was an in- in- incredible contest altogether. Don't get me wrong. I'm willing to admit right now that I've been wrong about the Lakers. But... But I still think Phoenix has the edge. I think Chris Paul, when it comes to how he's been such a team leader, you see this Phoenix team all together this year and and how solid and and productive they've been. When it comes to, um, again, and... And again, this this Lakers team is very dominant right now. They're playing incredible. LeBron's healthy, AD's healthy, Schroeder impressed, all that going forward. I think Phoenix also is hungry. They're young. They think they can compete with this Lakers team. It showed in game one. It showed yesterday in game I mean in 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 game two as well, even though the the Lakers pulled ahead and won by seven. You're gonna see a dogfight throughout this series. And to be honest with you, this series might go to seven games. That is not crazy to say. It might that might happen. And when it comes to again, Chris Paul ring chasing, leading this young team, this really could be a series that that defines you know whether whether the Lakers can really make it as a seven seed going all the way, or Phoenix if they can really rise up, overtake the West, and and maybe make a run themselves. I, I'm not saying the winner of the series is going to represent the West because. You, I mean, to be honest with you, you can't say that right now because of Denver and Portland and uh, Dallas and and Utah and all these different teams and how so contested the West is. What I'm saying is that the winner of this series will be making a big statement. And when it comes to to uh, to LeBron and the Lakers as a seven seed making their way or Chris Paul leading such a young team for Phoenix to be on the rise up and coming, not just this year, but several years going forward. This really might be one of, one, one of the top series, if not the top series, in the first round. And with how things will go, I think the winner, whether it's L.A. or Phoenix, will be winning this series in seven games. I tried to tell you. I, I tried yeah, you're right. to tell you. You were right. You can't. LeBron in the playoffs, I don't care how many games he plays in the regular season. If you, if you look at any of the NBA players, postseason basketball is so much different. And LeBron is probably, arguably, the best postseason player ever. He's been in 11 finals appearances. Um, the last decade, there's literally been one year where he hasn't been in the finals, and that's, that's it. That's true. And, you know, ultimately, as a seven seed, they look good, but I think they're also aided by the fact that Utah looks bad. Utah lost game one to Memphis. Mm-hmm. I don't care if how well Memphis played. You are a one seed. Losing your first game of the playoffs to an eight seed is a red flag. Has to be a red flag. And I think the Lakers, when they're healthy, are still the best team in the Western Conference. Um, ultimately, teams I think would match up well with them are not doing well. The Clippers is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I still think that you just cannot bet against LeBron and AD getting out of the West. I think they have to be. One of the favorites, which I know as the seven seed is is a weird thing to say, but they are one of the best teams in the West, and I and I think if they do come out of this series, I think they have an an easier road to representing their conference in the uh, in the uh, uh, NBA Finals. I'm still high on Dallas, though. I was just I mean, gonna bring that up about the Mavericks, mm-hmm. Alex. It's funny you mentioned that. I was. You know, they're up 2-0 on the Clippers. They won by six well. last night. They've been playing very well. You're right. Luka Doncic was almost 40 yesterday, and oh Kawhi had 41, and they still won the Mavericks. That, uh, you know, they outscored them. That third quarter, 30-19, to they outscored uh, the Clippers. They really Solid. were propelled in that uh, in that game. And, you know, you look at, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., 28, 28 points. Luka with 39, um, you know. But the big thing for me is, 
you know, you got guys like you got a lot of good contributors all around. Luca also with seven rebounds, seven assists. Um, he can really do it all, and I'm really, I'm just very impressed by his style of play at the six seven point guard, and he's sixth in the in the league with twenty seven point seven points per game. He's somebody who's against the Clippers. He's averaged thirty points. So uh, he's somebody who's really. I'm just completely impressed by, you know, the way that he plays and how he plays so much bigger than he is, and he's able to get all those rebounds, a team-high seven rebounds. He's the Mavericks, that game, when they're going to play next, I think they're playing uh, uh, Friday, Friday's, Friday night. That's going to be a big game three, and they're in Dallas, too. They, they have a potential to sweep. If they do win, they have a potential to win, have a game four, you know, win the series in Dallas, too, which would be crazy. I'm going to say Paul this. Why is so bad? Why is Paul George so bad? Like, every year he does. This. Yeah, yeah. Even Last with Indiana, yeah. Overpaying. Yeah, they overpaid for him. <laughs> overpaying. There you go. I mean, the Clippers, I mean, it, 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 it is just, it's incredible. And, look, Kawhi's doing as much as he can. I get that completely. Yeah, he's putting the team on his Paul back. George, Paul George is not a solid number two. I'm no. sorry. And you saw it last year where they were up 3-1. They blew that. They choked that to Denver. I mean, the Clippers just have no luck in the playoffs. They've always been haunted in the playoffs for the longest time. That's why they've never made it to a uh, conference final to begin with. So when, when, when you look at that notion in play and the fact that this is the same Mavericks team that the Clippers beat in six games, Dallas gave them a, a, a run for the money last year in round number one, now that Dallas is up 2-0, Dallas has the edge right now. I think they're going full steam, and to be honest with you, they could sweep them. Do not be shocked if that happens. I think Dallas really is a true team to watch out for, and you saw them overjump the Lakers towards the end of the of the regular season. Again, say what you want about LeBron's injury and Anthony Davis and all that coming forward. Dallas overjumped them and became a top six seed for a reason, the number six seed for a reason. So really, I mean, I'm not... I might be saying this This will happen. I might not be saying this, but I would not be surprised if we find LeBron and Luka facing off in the Western Conference Finals this year. Don't be surprised about that because Dallas is a young, surging team. They're a sleeper, a dark horse to watch out for. And LeBron James, of course, is LeBron James. And the Lakers can do damage in, in, their, in their own respective way when, when LeBron runs the show and Anthony Davis pretty much is Robin to his Batman. I mean, you see that definitely playing a factor. Do not be surprised if that happens. And, look, Phoenix, say what you want about them. Utah, you had a feeling something was going to break with Utah. And, good. And, and look, they're a good team. Don't, don't get me wrong. But Utah has always, you know, choked in the playoffs or not really stepped up to the right level in the playoffs. You've seen that a lot. And, I mean, it's just it's really interesting how it's all going to play out. But... Really watch out for uh, Dallas. Watch out for the Lakers. That could possibly be the the uh, Western Conference Final. Actually, excuse me. Dallas is the five seed. Actually, excuse me. In the playoffs, the Clippers are four. Denver's three. Portland is six. Lakers are seven. Um, when it comes to that all all, all together, with how hot Dallas is, has been uh, towards the end of the regular season and the way they're starting the, this, this round one series and how LeBron's putting in his two cents with the Lakers leading them again to a possible run. Do not be surprised if you see a five versus seven Western conference final where you have one of the goats, the, uh, the face of the NBA for the longest time facing off against the possible new face of the NBA and Luka Doncic when LeBron officially calls it quits. Yeah, that's that's another. Yeah, that's definitely important to keep in mind. I mean, it's it's been crazy just the NBA playoffs and the way they've been going on as well. But guys, I want to get your take on the Nuggets. What do you where do you see this Nuggets Blazers series going? Uh, you know, it's a very close series. Playing tomorrow night, the series is tied one on one. Jokic with twenty six points per game, ten rebounds, double double. Lillard has been fantastic um, as ever. We know he's had some clutch um, playoff moments as well. Um, this is this is the Trailblazers are hosting the Nuggets too because they're the lower seed. Um, they're it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Lillard with 45 percent on the season. CJ McCallum averaging 22 points as well. Um, where do you guys see this matchup? Of course, Nuggets without Jamal Murray out for the season. Uh, Will Barton's day to day. Where do you, can you do you think they can win without him? Are. Can you believe how good they are without a top 10 point guard in the NBA? That's amazing. That's true. Like. 
they have been playing so well. Nikola Jokic has had the MVP season. He's the MVP. I, I, I would, I would put a copious amount of money on him winning the MVP. Um, and I, and I, and I truly believe that he is the best player. He had the best season of anyone in the league. And I think that you know it is going over to the playoffs. You know he's playing really well. Aaron Gordon is playing quite well. They've had Absolutely. a lot of uh, role players step up. I think the Nuggets are going to take this series, and I think the Nuggets, um, the Nuggets, would match up with. They match up with the winner of the four-five, uh, the three-six. So, Nuggets, uh, Mavs, or Nuggets Clippers, I think would be an interesting series. I think Denver probably should find themselves in the Western Conference Finals, but we'll have to see. But with the way they're playing. Uh, I like them to make a deep run in in, in this playoffs. Dylan, cor- 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 correct me if I'm wrong. I'm looking at this right now. It says the winner of the Denver Portland series would match up against the winner of the Suns Lakers series. That could be right. That could be wrong. Regardless, the way I'm looking at it, I th- no, that's I agree. Right. That's right. Okay. No, that's so right. so yeah. So so regardless, I see um, Denver. Look, it's. Getting out of round one is going to be a dogfight. Dame's always going to put on a show. Yosich has been unbelievable, of course, carrying around with without Jamal. And with him and, and, and Aaron Gordon, that one-two punch of those two big men, they've been doing big things with Denver this year. They, they will get past Portland. Whether it's Phoenix or the Lakers, I don't see them getting past round two. So when it comes to, to the Nuggets, it's a great run this year. Yosich has an incredible, again, pretty much MVP year. He probably will get it for argument's sake again. But the point is, is that, I mean, I, I can see them get, getting pounced round one. Round two, whether it's LeBron and the Lakers or Chris Paul and the Suns, I don't see, see them get, getting past the second round. If they do, they would definitely have to do it in seven games. But, I mean, altogether, I think whoever wins the uh, Lakers-Suns series will, will, will definitely beat uh, the uh, the, the winner of that Denver-Portland series, whether it's Denver, whether it's Portland, whoever it is, probably will be Denver. Regardless, again, the the, the Nuggets could win this first-round series in six or seven games. I don't see them going any farther than that, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be something to... It's going to be interesting to see how 